Hello, buddies. Welcome to the first official episode of Headlines and Coffee, the podcast. I am Generator, your American-born, freedom-fighting, sarcastic-speaking, logical-thinking, don't-really-care-about-your-feelings-attitude coffee-drinking host. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. Bill, what is up? <laughs> well, we're just off to a great start here on episode one, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> My goodness. So, uh, folks, we're just having a little bit of uh, a great start here. That's me. Okay. Hold on. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, what's happening now? Yeah, nope, that's me. Apparently my, okay, Jesus. All right, let's try this again. What's up? <laughs> what's going on? So, oh. I assume that you're watching the broadcast on your end. Yep, I have the broadcast up. Um, I forgot to mute it, so my bad on that. <laughs> That's okay. That's not a big deal. So how was your uh, couple of weeks there, Jen? Um, so, I mean, I've just been busy doing schoolwork and then, uh, you know, trying to still push out content. Mm -hmm. um, I know it slowed down over the holiday weekend. Um, oops, I got disconnected. Not calling back in. That's just really distracting. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, I was supposed to be in a work call and I was, but there they we've been on it for 20 minutes and literally none of it has anything to do with me. So I don't really know why they wanted me on the call except to waste my time. Anyways, um, so uh, not much has really been going on with me. I've just been doing schoolwork, um, trying to create, you know, things for the show and just dealing with my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Missy, thank you for joining us. Also, we wanted to let everybody know the reason this title is called the, the title of this episode is called The Meltdown is we had a kind of a meltdown of sorts in the beginning here, but we're up and running. The star of the show has got some things to say, and we're definitely going to get to her. So, Jim, right. what what's uh, on your mind this past couple of weeks? It's been a, even with the holiday weekend, it's been a crazy news cycle last couple of weeks. Oh, my goodness. Like, um, honestly, I feel like I can't even keep up um, with some of the news that's been going on. We're obviously going to touch on some of it today once we once we get to that segment of the show. But um, yeah, it's it's been a crazy couple of weeks and it, it's just never ending. And I, I don't know. It, it kind of goes back to, I guess, my my Jen Jen thoughts of last week for episode zero, where, you know, we a lot of us feel like there's no hope and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, we got it. We got to keep trying and try to keep pushing forward. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can do. Yep. All right. So uh, let's let's go ahead and get started. Let's get uh, with today in American history, shall we? Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, for American history today, we are not going to have any uh, slides or anything like that. But okay. we, the, the headlines were good to go. But the American history, I'll let you take them one at a time. And if you want, I'll chime in. But yeah, we don't have um, any visual aids for this. Okay. Thing. No worries. All right. So today in American history, back in 1863, General Lee in Hagerstown, Maryland, reports defeat at Gettysburg to President Jefferson Davis, who was the Confederate president at that Woo! time. Yeah. So he was defeated. Yay for us up in the north. <laughs> those pesky Confederates. <laughs> Oh, those pesky Confederates. But yeah. that, that's a great moment in history right there. So It is. It is a great moment, you know, for General Lee to report that he's been defeated at Gettysburg. And I mean, we know that the significance of Gettysburg and obviously that whole war. So, yeah. 
All right. So moving on in 1976, for the first time in American history, women are enrolled into the U.S. Military Academy at West Point here in New York. Um, obviously, this is a really big deal for women in the military and, you know, breaking those glass ceilings. Um, I believe it was 64 of them four years later that graduated, um, that graduated and became second lieutenants in the army and went on to doing bigger and better things. Um, they obviously I didn't get any details on all 64 of them, but, you know, still, <laughs> still a big deal for the army. Uh, quick question. How long was it? Uh, we may have to look this up, but the Citadel, which is another another military uh, mm -hmm. institute of higher learning, did it take them like even longer to start admitting uh, women? I feel like it did. I don't know too much about the Citadel. So, yes, we're probably going to have to look that up. But I do feel like the Citadel was a lot more strict, I guess, had more conservative values, like traditional conservative values as far as, you know, women serving, et cetera. So, yeah, because that I feel I can't find it off the top of my head. 1995. Oh, wow. So that's how can you be that far behind? Um, like 19 years later. Yeah. 19 years wow. later. Wow. That's that, I'm, I'm blown away by that. Yeah, really that's am. that's craziness. All right, and the last bit for today in history, 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor becomes the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. And she was followed by RGB, right, or Ruth, or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. RBC. Yes, I do believe that is accurate. Yeah. So, uh, ladies, just breaking all kinds of barriers here on episode one. Shatter that glass ceiling. Yep, that's what they're doing. All right. Sorry. I'm messing with my light. I, I realized I looked a little blue. I don't really know why. Uh, well, we can definitely revisit that. Oh, well. Anyways. All right. So let's move on to the headlines. So um, we all know about Shikari Richardson. Well, Shikari Rich Richardson has been left off of the Olympic team now. And hold on one second, Jen. Because I'm very confused as to why this happened with, I mean, I understand why it happened. I, I'm not confused as to why she was left off the team. Mm -hmm. I'm confused as to why this is still a thing. I don't get it. Oh, you with the, the marijuana you're saying? Yeah. It yeah makes no, I, this makes no sense to me. I, I don't know either. Um, I know that they have, okay, so this is what I have. So Shikari Richardson, she tested positive for marijuana uh, June 19th, which disqualified her from competing in the 100-meter dash. She had a 30-day suspension, which would have ended prior to the relays, and everybody thought that she was going to compete in the 4x1, uh, but she ended up being left off of the roster. They have not specified um, her her uh, agents, I, I guess that's what they are, or her points of contact, whatever. They did not have a chance to speak with her when I read this article initially. Um, English Gardner and Aliyah Hobbs, I believe that's how you say their names, the sixth and seventh place winners were moved up and onto the relay team due to Richardson's disqualification. Now, the International Olympics Committee have eased the restrictions of marijuana use over the years, um, and their intention is to only catch athletes who use within the immediate hours prior to their competition, which means Shikari Richardson would have had to have used it. I don't know what time her race was, but she would have either had to use it like that day or the night prior uh, mm -hmm. for her to test positive is what they're claiming. Um, they have also reduced the bans from two years down to as little as 30 days. As we know, Shikari Richardson um, got the 30 day ban 
Again, I don't know why she was left off the roster. I, I know that when I initially saw the article, it looked like she had opted to stay off of it, which really sucks because she's, I believe, the fastest woman alive right now. Um, she is. She, so it, it really sucks because she she did own up to her mistake. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen my I've mentioned this numerous times on a couple videos that it is not up to us to judge how somebody copes with difficulties in their life. Mm. Um, she took responsibility for her actions and like that, that's, I don't know why people are still coming down on her. Um, as far as the legalization, yes, it is legal in some states in America, but we have to remember that the Olympics is not an American sport. It is an international event. So the International Olympics Committee um, is the ones that deemed that marijuana use is illegal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really torn on this because uh, isn't it more than half the states now have legalized recreational marijuana or something like that? Um, or, it's either they either what, have recreational or medicinal marijuana legal. Right, that's what it is. Okay, so why this is still a rule under you know, the IOC, which is the uh, governing body of the Olympic Games, why this is still a rule, I don't understand. And it's idiotic, and we can have a debate about that until the cows come home. But at the same time, she knew the rules. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not saying she, sh I'm not saying she should ethically be banned. But by the letter of the law, she broke the rules. I right. mean, th that was that that kid. I want to say it was about 10, 15 years ago at BYU, who they kicked off the BYU basketball team and out of the university because he was discovered having premarital sex. Mm -hmm. Well, that's about the dumbest thing for a kid in college to be punished for. But yeah. you signed that agreement because mm -hmm. that was their code of conduct and standards. You knew it and you broke it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I definitely understand it. Right. And, and that's been a lot of a lot of people have been, you know, they've been saying the same thing like, hey, she knew the rules and nobody's feeling. Well, I can't say nobody. People are feeling sorry for her. Like me personally, I don't oh, feel yeah. sorry for her because, again, she knew the rules. She made the conscious de decision regardless of what she was going through. My point is that she took responsibility. Like our side preaches so much about people need to take personal responsibility and accountability for their actions. And then when someone does it, they get so upset. Like they're still upset at her. Like, oh, I don't feel bad and just ostracizing her. It's like, you guys, like she took responsibility. Whether we agree with the rules or not, like she took responsibility. Now the issue that I'm having is a lot of people in Hollywood, <coughs> Seth Rogen and uh, Democrats, <coughs> AOC, are saying things like, oh, it's racist. It's racist. She got left off the team because of racism. It's like, there's absolutely no evidence that it was racism at all. What? Like, it is a standard rule. We know that Sean White, um, he got hit for it a few years ago, and Michael Phelps got hit. Michael Phelps didn't even test positive. He just got caught smoking it and was, I think he had a six-month ban or some something crazy like that. To me, calling it racism is about as dumb as Jalen Rose calling Kevin Love being put on the men's basketball team. Oh, it's tokenism because you can't send an all-black team to the Olympics. We just did that four years ago. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is I, – I mean, I'm not sure who you're talking to or what circles you're in, but I cannot find one person, conservative, 
liberal, white, black, yellow, green polka dot, uh, atheist or Catholic that finds it being okay with Shakari Richardson uh, breaking this rule. Did she break? I, everybody pretty much says the same thing. It's the dumbest rule, mm-hmm. but she did break it. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I actually had somebody try to argue with me because I said it is not a performance enhancing drug. And this individual tried to uh, drop or they dropped a Facebook link and then got upset because I wasn't going to follow a Facebook link. And they said that it was a I need to check out. I think it's called stay in your lane or something. I don't remember what this group is called. Um, And I said, I'm not going to follow a Facebook link. And he got mad, started calling me names and said that it's a track star that's talking about it. I said, awesome. Like, I don't care about a track star's opinion. I care about science (laughs) and science proves that it is not a performance enhancing drug. Now, a lot of people will argue that, oh, well, it helps alleviate pain and blah, 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 whatever. Okay. What part of that is performance enhancing? She, she runs what, like 10 seconds for the hundred meter dash. I think it was like 10 point something, something insane. For the 100 meter dash are you telling me that weed helped her run that fast i think she should get more gold medals just for the fact that she ran that fast high that's just my opinion <laughs> <laughs> oh jen i'd have to agree with you on that one you ready for the next one yep all right so the big big news for today uh, this actually broke this morning. The president of Haiti, Jovenel Moise, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly or not. Uh, he was assassinated last night in a home invasion. Around 1 a.m., a group of individuals entered the home and killed the president while injuring the first lady. Now, there's controversy around this guy's presidency. In 2015, he took office as a placeholder due to the chaotic elections. He insisted his term began in 2017, meaning his term was at up until 2022. Obviously, people were arguing it, saying that it's supposed to be up like this year or the end of last year. Many have branded him a dictator because of this. Not only was there controversy around his presidency, but he faced a lot of pressure from the Haitian business owners to establish a relationship with China. Now, Haiti is one of the last few uh, that recognize Taiwan's sovereignty. Under the CCP's policy, One China, they do not maintain any diplomatic relationships with countries that recognize Taiwan. There is also speculation that there is bad blood between the president and the prime minister. Prime Minister Claude Joseph was set to leave office only only after a three-month term after President Moise announced appointment of Ariel Henry, his seventh prime minister. Um, Now, here's my thing. And I I don't know. Don't we recognize Taiwan? Do we not? Do we not recognize Taiwan? I want to say it's us and maybe seven other countries. So if uh, China has that policy, they do not maintain diplomatic relationships. Uh, You may be right on that one. So I I find that kind of weird. I mean, granted, we don't have the best relationship with China, but we we have a relationship with them. Like we have trading embargoes and all this nonsense going on with China. So I find that kind of weird. It is 14 out of the 193 United Nations member states. Only 14 have full diplomatic relations with Taiwan. Wow. Interesting. But I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go out there and say, oh, it was the Chinese government or somebody that had this guy assassinated. I don't think it was the Chinese government. 
I, I, that's not my thought process at all. I think oh, okay. that um, it was either it's either connected to the prime minister because he's upset that he's losing his job after only a three month term or mm -hmm. the fact that people believe that this Haitian president was a dictator. Now, listen, before, you know, listeners come at me, I don't know anything about the Haitian government. I don't know anything about this Haitian president. So I can't give an opinion on either or I'm just giving you the facts that I know. And a lot of people believe that he was a dictator because the fact that he would not step down when he was just supposed to be a placeholder. <laughs> That's one way to get rid of somebody. I, I, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't mean to make light of the situation, but I mean, what, what else are you going to do if you've got somebody who was given a position of power and doesn't want to vacate it? Right. And I do believe that he had also he had talked in the past about people um, conducting a coup. So mm -hmm. I think he knew that the threat was there. So I think that's kind of, excuse me, the direction that this is probably going to go. Yeah. All right. So next. Uh, so this was a couple months ago. The Navy had declined Cameron Kinley's uh, declination of um, deferment or I, I'm sorry, they denied his deferment to serve in the Navy. Well, the Navy just reversed its decision to allow Cameron Kinley to play in the NFL. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is set to announce that Cameron Kinley can defer his military contract to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even Marco Rubio jumped in on the original decision, claiming it was unfair. Forgetting that each branch of service is different. The Navy, I'm sure, had its reasons to deny the request, while the Air Force and the Army approved those that requested with them. Kinley was undrafted and only signed after he attended the team's off-season training camps. Kinley played 27 games for the Navy. He achieved, he achieved 88 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, one sack, and one interception. Um, I don't think those stats are too bad for only playing 27 games for a team like the Navy, to be honest, in my opinion. Especially a defensive back from Navy. If you play running back or quarterback, or maybe even, I think Navy has a history of sending a few linebackers to the NFL, mm -hmm. but very rarely defensive backs. So, you know, this one is right up my wheelhouse. And I swear, I wanted to say it was just two years ago during the Navy Army game where uh, then President Trump made the announcement uh, to both schools in the locker room before the game that he was passing a bill to where they could do their service because once you finish military college you have to do at least two years right i believe so okay and he was going to pass a bill that said you know if you get drafted you can do your two years later or you can do it you know on the uh during the off season right so he did that did so, get passed so um but, what, why was this but the thing? thing is it's up to the department of the branch so it or the Come the on, so the secretary of the navy is the one that and he wasn't even the act he was just the acting secretary of the navy that right. declined it um i don't know what reasons he declined it maybe the navy's hurting for people i don't know um my thought process on it was how about you just go you know you join the navy to to be in the navy playing football was a perk you have a contractual obligation go fulfill it instead of crying about it because I felt that's what he was doing was he was crying about it. And obviously it got the thing reversed. So um, good luck to him in the NFL. I hope he does great things, but considering he wasn't even drafted and it took him multiple training camps, I don't foresee him being a starting defensive back. 
Uh, at best, he is going to make a scout team. That That's at best. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was never even remotely close to a Division One athlete, but, you know, I've been around him all my life, mm-hmm. okay? You know, I, that's all I did for 14 years was cover athletics at the highest level all the way down to high school. So I can tell when somebody's got it and somebody doesn't. He's got the athleticism. He's just not going to be, you know, a star or a starter. Right. So, but like I said, good luck to him. I'm glad that, you know, it got overturned. All right. So um, FYI, <laughs> I just realized my we're just having so many technical difficulties today oh that's just that's just how that's just how it's going to be like it was fine last week when we did our pilot episode the only issue we were really having was my audio sounded a little wonky but we made it work right well today we're just having just a little goof up so life is um, happening it, it is it is life is happening so um bill <laughs> i hope you can get the audio from the youtube because I just realized that it wasn't recording your sound. <laughs> I oh, fixed it. Yeah, my side. Okay. My yeah, my side's fixed now, but just FYI, that's that's what I just caught and fixed. Anyways, right. let's continue on with the headlines. All right, so President Biden, he announces a plan to have people go door to door to push the vaccine. The president will be sending out officials to knock on doors across America to pressure them to take the vaccines. Um, do you have the video of him by any chance? I do not, but that's if you fine. Give me a second, um, it's okay. The president no, is quoted it. saying, "Now we need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to, door by door, literally knocking on doors to get people get help to the remaining people." Are we forgetting that this vaccine is not FDA approved? There have also been studies conducted in Cleveland that found that if the people have the antibodies, they do not need the vaccine. Are we forgetting that? the coronavirus is 99.7% survivability rate. The vaccine's average 95% efficacy rate. You can still transceive the virus on the vaccine because it's just a vaccine, it's not a cure-all. Um, I think, uh, who was it? I saw the video today. Well, Jen, I've got the clip now if you'd like Oh it. yeah, let's hear, the, let's hear the clip. Okay, give me one second and here we go. In today's briefing, we discussed how our administration is going to devote the remainder of the summer to a special focus on five ways to make gains in getting those of you who are unvaccinated vaccinated. Because here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot. They need the second. Now we need... Okay, I just have to say, listening to him makes me wish I had real alcohol. <laughs> community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help for the remaining people protected from the virus. Look, equity, equality, it remains at the heart of our responsibility of ensuring the communities that are the hardest hit by the virus have the information and the access to get vaccinated. So, as we shift from these centralized mass vaccination sites where we're thousands of people a day, we're going to put even more emphasis on getting vaccinated in your community, close to home, conveniently, and location you're already familiar with. First, first thing we're going to do, this includes 
All right, we, we can stop that. <laughs> All right, so thank God. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, it was um, Blue Collar Ben. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. If you are not, make sure you follow him on TikTok. He has no idea I'm giving him this shout out, but I'm giving it to him anyways. He said it best. So we're going to send officials to go door to door to make sure people get a vaccine or to give them a vaccine. Instead of going door to door to find human traffickers, child harmers, people mm. that hurt kids, people that hurt animals, people selling <laughs> heroin. We're, no, what's important is that we get people that are not vaccinated, vaccinated. Number two, it's not FDA approved. What are they going to do? Knock on my door, say, hey, do you have vaccine? I say, nope. What are you going to force me? You're not going to force me because I'll throw hands. I don't care. Until it is FDA approved and until the Department of Defense mandates that I have to get it, I'm not getting it. Easy as that. Uh, here's the deal. What we do to our bodies on a medical basis is nobody's business. Okay. I'm not sitting here saying the pandemic is over. I'm not saying that you should not go get vaccinated. But I'm telling you now, I don't even, when the census people come to my door, I tell them to leave. What do you think I'm going to do to somebody like this? I mean, what I do is none of nobody's business, okay? It's, I, this is going so beyond the realm of rights now. This is borderline stormtroopers showing up looking for droids. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah, they are definitely, I feel, crossing some lines with this. If it actually happens, um, you know, I have to watch what I say about certain people, but we know that people make promises and they don't keep those promises. So I don't know if this is actually going to be a reality. I don't even know how they would track that. And, you know, where are we getting the monies for that? Oh, our taxpayers' monies. That's where it's coming from. Come on now, Jen. You knew that. Was I know. I knew that one. That was it. Hey, I had to give myself a softball because I'm 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 frustrated today with the technical difficulties. That's okay. But we, we you know what? We're in our groove. We're rocking and rolling. Yeah. I do want to send a shout out to Dari and Missy. Missy says that she loves watching Ben. Dari is you go get or yo go get it battle. Maybe that's yeah. A Okay, cool. Yeah, that's hey, Dari is the Dari. See, you got me mispronouncing her name. Dari. Dari, my other, apologies. Yeah, Dari is the other half of the dynamic duo. So if you guys aren't following Dari, make sure you go follow her outspoken veteran. Before we move on, buddies, let's take a quick break. Welcome back. Now let's continue on with the show. Okay, All right, great. so let's move on to the Raider Report. I got a juicy one for you guys today. It's been yeah, a girl. hot button topic that everybody is all up in arms about and people, not everybody is informed about it. So what are we going to talk about today? Critical race theory. FYI, all this information was found on Britannica.com. So if anybody wants to fact check me, um, you guys can go after Britannica.com. It's an encyclopedia. In case you guys don't know, like back in the day when we used to have real life books that we looked up things, Britannica was like the big encyclopedia brand. Anyways, did, did, did you ever real quick before you get to it, did you ever buy any from the guys that would go door to door? I didn't. 
But I mean, I, I mean, my parent, I don't think my parents bought it from, the, I mean, I remember the guys that would go door to door and, you know, if anybody watches friends, they remember that episode of jo Joey buying, you know, V because he, the, all he could afford was one book, but, um, we did have a, a set of encyclopedias at home. That, that was my parents, not every year, but I want to say once every five years would definitely buy the set of Britannica encyclopedias from the traveling mm -hmm. door to door salesman. And that's how I did a lot of my book reports, but yeah i mean yeah. that's that's how we all used to do it back in the day when there was no internet and internet and computers weren't a thing anyways so what is critical race theory it is a movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not a natural biological grounded feature of physically distinct group or subgroups of human beings but a socially constructed category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color now, when I say people of color, because look, I don't know if you guys, I'm just dropping all kinds of shout outs today. If you guys follow Man of Justice, he does a perfect explanation on why we should not say people of color, because pretty much it's a link to just saying colored people. But when I say people of color, it's in air quotes and it's coming straight from Britannica.com, FYI. Excuse me. All right. So as far as that little snippet, I can agree that um, race subgroups, we should say, it is a social construct because that's that's how it was back in the day, you know, with segregation and all that. And people just tend to connect with people of their own race. Um, I do think that we need to get away from that. So I do agree with that part of it. But to say that it is still used to oppress and exploit, I don't agree with that whatsoever. All right. So theorists hold that the law and legal institutions in the United States are inherently racist. They function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially black Americans. Critical race theory stems from the critical legal studies, which studied how law and legal institutions serve the interests of wealthy and powerful at the expense of the poor and marginalized. Critical legal studies is a branch off of Marxist-oriented critical theory. The Marxist-oriented critical theory is a Marxist-inspired movement in, a, in the social and political philosophy, drawing specifically on the thought of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud. Theorists maintain that a primary goal of philosophy is to understand and overcome the social structures through which people are dominated and oppressed. So I can, I can get behind that. You want to know why people were oppressed and, you know, dominated back in the day, right? And when Karl Marx was alive and was coming up with these theories. Obviously, that was a topic of discussion because it was happening. Um, they also believe that science has been used as an instrument of oppression. Critical race theorists believe that political liberalism could not address fundamental problems of injustice. Their emphasis of equitable treatment under the law of all races, they were only capable of recognizing only this obvious racist practices, not subtle systemic racist problems. So they are recognizing like this law says no blacks allowed, but they weren't, they, people weren't focusing on the subtle things um, that didn't really give any reference to what exactly, but the subtle systemic racist problems. According to Richard Delgado, the founder or one of the founders of CRT, there are basic tenets of CRT. Race is socially constructed, not biologically natural. Uh, racism in the United States is a common, ordinary experience of most people of color. So most people of color experience 
racism on pretty much a, a day-to-day basis. Legal advances for people of color tend to serve the interests of dominant white groups, meaning there is a racial hierarchy within the American society. Members of minority groups periodically undergo differential racialization, meaning the attribution of them of varying sets of negative stereotypes depending on the needs of the interests of white people. No one can be adequately identified by membership of one single group. For example, a black person can also identify as woman, lesbian, feminist, Christian, etc. And finally, the voice of color thesis, meaning people of color are uniquely qualified to speak on behalf of the other members of their group or groups in regards to racism. These self-expressed views of victims of racism and other forms of oppression provide essential insight into the nature of the legal system. So in case you guys aren't under, like, I know I'm not really explaining each of these bits and that I do apologize for that. I, I will go back and touch on a few of these, but as far as the voice of color thesis, I can get behind, you know, someone sharing their story. If you're, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, you have a story about racism or some sort of oppression, share your story, let people know, but to say that it's, it's to provide insight that, Oh, well, this is the legal system. You're saying that our legal system is racist and I, I'm just, I, I don't agree with that. And I'll explain why later on. So why are people so upset about this? The theory suggests that racism is part of everyday life. People who don't intend to be racist can still make choices that feel racism. That doesn't make sense. CRT is teaching people that, or I'm sorry, CRT is teaching children that white people are inherently privileged while black people are inherently oppressed and victimized. CRT is a Marxist framework that suggests the nation is inherently evil and that white people should feel guilty for their skin color. CRT and the school systems address systemic racism and seek to make the classrooms more equitable. Now, here are my thoughts. I agree that race is a social construct, like I said, and at one point we used to oppress people or was used to oppress people. However, saying that it is still used creates the mindset for people to self-segregate and self-oppress. The only system racism that the only systemic racism that exists in our government today are the government handout programs. Aside from that, systemic racism does not exist. There are no laws that are specified to hold black people back. This is not saying racism does not exist because racism does exist. What we need to start focusing on is these people in power that are racist that are actually pushing that on. So when we talk about the legal system, for example, because a lot of people like to compare cases and they think that they're doing something, but you know they're not always taking all the factors into consideration. But if we have, for example, a black guy and a white guy that do the exact same crime, but the white guy gets lesser punishment, say everything's the exact same. The only, the only, everything's the exact same. The only difference is the sentencing. Then how about we start looking at those judges, those judges, those lawyers, all those people that are actually handing out these punishments, because nowhere does it say um, that if it's a black person, they get X amount of time. If it's a white person, they get X amount of time. Those are the things that we need to start focusing on. We need to start focusing on the criminal justice reform and reforming our politicians and reforming our uh, our systems that are being manipulated by actual racists. But to say that our system is racist is completely false. It is important to talk about American history, all of American history. 
So, you know, people that want to come at people on the right specifically and say, oh, you don't want to know about American history or you don't want to know about people's history. Like, no, we want to know all of American history. Right. Yeah. And this is part of where I have to jump in, because part of a big part of my issue with critical race theory is slavery is bad and they were white. So you're white. That means you're bad. Okay. But it doesn't tell the whole story. It does not require the teachings that slave owners were not just white in America. There were hundreds of African-American slave owners in the South as late as the 1830s. Yep. What is going on? Why, Why is that part not being taught then or not part of the curriculum? Well, because a lot of it is it's stemming back to, you know, being white people being the inherently privileged and black people being the oppressed and victimized. And the problem that I have with that specifically is um, so when you teach children that white people have the benefit of privilege and black people are constantly being oppressed and it's a victim, they're holding they're essentially holding back the black people because why why would somebody try hard if they think that the system's against them that the system's out to get them right and then at the same time you have white kids that think that no matter what they do they're going to get the benefit of life because they're white so why should they work hard instead how about we teach kids that they will be rewarded with hard work and dedication and by you know content of their work ethic not the color of their skin um, so children should also not be taught that our country is inherently racist. Instead, teaching the history that America, along with every nation in existence, has an ugly past, and we have grown past that. That that's that's something that we need to start focusing on. Like, let's stop living in the past. Yes, we should learn our history, but let's stop focusing so much that while black people were slaves X amount of years ago and they're still being oppressed, where? And, and I, I know, I know people hate this argument, but black people weren't the only ones that were slaves. Um, equity is another form of oppression. Giving people handouts are essentially telling them they cannot succeed without success. This thought process holds people back and keeps them from not only succeeding on their own, but to remain successful on their own. Life doesn't give out freebies. You should never expect freebies. So if you're going to take anything away from this and because obviously I'm totally against critical race theory, I have been since the beginning because I don't think it's okay for us to be teaching kids that there's a hierarchy of race within our nation because there's not, we cannot sit there and say that when we had a black president, we cannot say that black people are being oppressed when they, when it comes to rich people, I'm pretty sure they're, Primarily the richer people, like when it comes to like the rich, like the celebrities, sports stars, they're predominantly black. You look at the basketball teams and the football teams where they're making millions of dollars, it's predominantly black. Again, we have black leaders and the the politicians, judges. There's not a position in America that a black person cannot hold. So you cannot say that black people are oppressed. There's not a position that I know of that an African-American has not held. And I think it's important to also make a note that this country has helped produce more millionaire African-Americans per capita than mm-hmm. any other country 
in the world. And I think the last uh, paper I saw on this was more than any of the top other three countries combined. So I'm, we have a lot of problems. Oppression mm -hmm. isn't one of them. No. I think that the oppression that people are experiencing, um, and I, I hate, I really hate phrasing it this way, but it's self-oppression and it's playing, it's playing the victim. When you constantly think that the world is out to get you, you're going to, you're going to start seeing that the world is out to get you. It's, it's kind of like, I think me and um, Patriot Ricky talked about this. When you keep saying like you're a duck, you're a duck, you're a duck, you're a duck, and you know, you're not a duck, but then say you quack one time, you're like, oh shit. I quacked, I must be a duck. So when you keep telling black people, you're oppressed, you're oppressed, you're oppressed, you're oppressed, and then something happens and they're like, oh shit, I am oppressed. They're gonna start thinking it. It's the same thing with racism and everything else. Yeah, have you ever seen, there's a comedy skit, it's pretty popular on YouTube, it made the rounds on TikTok too, but I think TikTok started banning it about how somebody who's woke is the exact same person or someone you wanna be in a relationship with if you're a racist because they no. believe the same things. No, I have I, not. I don't think I've I, seen that. I will definitely send that to you. But if you watch that and you get past the comedy, because it is hilarious, mm -hmm. but if you get past the comedy, you start thinking to yourself, oh my God, who's the real racist here? Right. So, and I, and that's something that I wish people would recognize. And when I say people, I really mean people on the left, because a lot of us on the right do recognize. Um, if you look at who the actual racists are, it's not us on the right. Now, I know they like to make the, the correlation that, oh, well, white supremacists typically, you know, vote Republican because they're voting for policy. Right. But if you look at what the Democrats do, the policies that they put out, and the fact that they're screaming racism every other day, they're the ones that are really racist. They're the ones that are actually trying to oppress black people. They're the ones that are actually trying to get them to self-segregate, and it's starting to work. So for my black friends out there, stop listening to them. Like, Pay attention to what's actually going on. They are the ones that have come up with these government programs, because like I said, the only the only systemic racism that exists within our government are the government handout programs such as welfare. The fact that you they are trying to ensure that people stay on welfare because they want government control over you. If the government's giving you monies, then they're expecting you to get something back or for you to give something back. Yeah, watch this. Uh, so I have found it, and I wanted to share it with you real quick. I think you're going to like this. Okay. When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but it turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your racial, racial identity, identity is the most important, important thing. thing. Everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Shakes, you owe me a Coke. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them, we both think minorities are a united group. We think the same and act the same. And both the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll that discrimination law so we can hire based on race again. Jinx, thank you owe me a Coke. Hey, tell me what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. I've been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dates. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being frank? Did Boomer put you up to this? 
Ugh, you know that taco place is white owned? White people should be making white foods like crap macaroni and cheese. <laughs> seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever, and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. I segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. You know, all white people are racist. I'm listening. Even if you have a black wife or a black wife, you're still really racist. You know, he just kicked the guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend, but if you can promise me he's still really racist, we'll consider letting him back in. Black people should only shop at black businesses. I guess the only thing we really disagree about is I think white people are the root of all evil. But what did I tell you, though? If we can narrow that down to a certain group of tiny eyed white people, I think we can come to an understanding. Technically, I don't consider Jewish people white. Neither do I. Wow. Yeah, wow. You know, that actually reminded me of a couple other things that I want to talk about when it comes to, you know, I guess, like racial theories or whatever. Um, so this whole thing with rate, like hiring someone based on their race, like where uh, ESPN is dealing with it right now, the uh, reporter from ESPN is getting that backlash. Because Maria Taylor and she- Rachel Nichols. Yeah, so she because she spoke out against it, and like I agree, like you you should not want to get hired because the color of your skin. You should want to get hired because you're fully qualified. Now, should there be uh, discriminatory or uh, anti-discriminatory laws in place to prevent you from being? Yes, absolutely. And guess what? Those laws already exist. But what we should not do is make policies that say you know this corporation has to hire X amount of people of color. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then what was the other point I'm trying to remember that they brought up that kind of, I don't even know now I lost my train of thought, but that that's the big thing is like, we, we need to stop looking at, um, you know, skin color and think that this person's better because of the color of their skin, because that's what we're bred to think. Like, no, nobody is better because the color of their skin, people are better because they're a decent human being. And that's that. Like, it, we need to stop categorizing people by the color of their skin. Or even more so, we need to stop thinking that someone is a lesser than because of the color of their skin. Exactly. That too. That too. I, I think that's a little more important because, you know, get rid of the negativity and then try to, you know, excel for the, you know, everything, everybody is equal but mm-hmm. i we got to get rid of the negatives first i think i really believe that yeah and i really think that you know that we if we stop with the government handouts and um them trying to because essentially this this is the other thing when when the government is giving out handouts and they're you got corporations making these policies like you, I, I would not feel successful as an individual if I got handed a job just because, oh, I, I needed you because you're Asian. You know, I, I don't think that, um, I just don't think that that's helping anybody. And I think, like I said um, earlier, that when it comes to being successful, they cannot, you're showing people that they cannot be successful without your help and that they're not going to be able to remain successful without the help. Uh, Missy replied with, I've worked hard for everything I've ever got. Nothing's ever been given to me because my skin was white. Uh, if I was given something because my skin was white, nobody told me. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I'd have known 30 years ago about this whole uh, uh, white privilege card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's such BS. Right. Well, I mean, so I will like we, so we have to be honest about 
you know, if we're going to be honest about one side, we got to be honest about both sides, right? Um, there are, like I said, the, the system is not racist, but there are racist people out there. So people are going to get treated based on biases because racist people exist. You know, if we're going to talk like uh, law enforcement is probably the best example I can give. I don't have the same experience because my law enforcement experience is different than that of a regular cop. But, you know, when you deal with um, certain stereotypes, you're going to be on edge with certain stereotypes. You get what I'm saying? Um, the best way I can explain this, being in the military, when I respond to calls, I'm more on edge. I can't really describe it. Like, I can't really put my thumb on it exactly. I just, it's one of those things when I see it, I see it. There is a specific white guy type that I'm always on edge with when I go to calls. And when, like I said, when I see it, I see it. And that's because my experiences with the specific type of white guy. So I can understand certain stereotypes, but what we need to stop doing is feeding into it. Um, I think that one thing that happens I got to be really careful on how I say this because I don't want people to think I'm racist because I promise you I'm not racist. But um, one one person that I spoke with about this. Uh, Wait, hold on. Ago, just, just to clarify, you're technically a minority or minority, correct? I mean, it depends on what the liberals feel. One one day I'm a person of color. The next day I just have I'm white adjacent. Yeah, but you, oh, but you, but as a, because you're, what's your ethnicity? Because I believe you told me once. So I, I'm half Korean. Okay. Well, then you can't be racist. That, that That's according to liberals. Yeah. You can't yeah. be racist. You're not white. Well, I can't be racist towards, I can't be racist towards white people. Oh, is yeah. that what it you is? Can't, you can't be racist towards white people is what oh. their argument is now. And because I'm a conservative, they I'm a white supremacist. I'm a white supremacist no matter what, just because I'm a conservative. So oh. I'll be, I'm really not listeners for anyone that's new. I am not a white supremacist. I am not racist. This is just how we're painted, but we have to start pushing to on to our kids about accountability for our actions. So a conversation I had with somebody not too long ago, she said that she, she gets pulled over a lot and she always has a racist cop that's dealing with her. Why is he racist? Well, because they always give me a ticket and they always give me attitude. So here's the thing. You say you get pulled over a lot, right? Right. So obviously you're breaking the law. Something's something you're doing something to get pulled over because they cannot pull you over without probable cause. And if you're coming up to, or if the cop is coming up to you and you're automatically giving them attitude, they're going to match that attitude. Cause the attitude that she came at me with, like, I'm going to match that attitude. Like you already, you gave me attitude. I'm not even like in a cop capacity right now. So how about we start teaching kids that one, don't break the law. Two, if you deal with a, a police officer or someone in an authority figure, whether it's an adult, a political person, a cop, et cetera, anybody actually, how about we just have basic human respect for one another? Stop giving people attitude because not all cops are bad. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't racist cops out there. I'm not saying that there aren't bad cops out there. But when you automatically have that in your head, when the cop shows up and you start giving them attitude, the cop's going to match that, that energy because that's just what they do because you're on edge. So now they're on edge because they don't know what you have. You know, what's on their tool belt. You can see everything that's on their tool belt, but they don't know what's in your tool belt. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. So, Jen, getting in close to time to wrap this up, uh, going back to your original point on the rate of report and critical race theory, there's actually fixing to be, there's a landmark a lawsuit in Evanston, Illinois right now. It's actually just outside of Chicago mm -hmm. where a white teacher has filed a federal lawsuit against the school system because she's been being forced to teach racial theory thinking and i i'm looking at it here hold on one second i'll uh share this with you now the reason i bring this up is because there it's a double-edged sword it's good and it's bad mm -hmm. okay a middle school drama teacher in northern in the north suburb uh suburban chicago is suing the school district she works for discrimination because of the district's race-based curriculum and what it's basically saying is that, you know, teach people, teach the kids that if you're white, you're terrible and you should hate yourself. If you're not white, you should hate that white kid. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, that's basically what it breaks down to. Now, the reason I say this is landmark is number one, this is going to set the tone for all other lawsuits of this nature when it comes to race, racism being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's number one. Number two, I hate that it's going to be in a Chicago or Illinois federal court. Yeah, yeah, I really do. And the reason I say that, if you're a anybody who follows politics, you know that Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, is uber, uber left wing liberal. She is just racist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a hardcore racist. She's criminally racist. Yeah. And on top of that, she's just, but she's, she wields a lot of power. She's the worst politician in America and she wields a lot of power. Yep. Okay. I agree so with that 100%. That, that's what scares the hell out of me, Jen, is because could she use some kind of influence on this? I think she could. And that scares me. Yeah. So um, here, here's, this is what should happen. Now I'm a firm believer that the education, education system needs to go back to the States. The, the federal government has too much power when it comes to the education system. However, comma, because we do have that power, the federal government has that power over the school systems. What needs to happen is a bill needs to be passed that states that the school curriculum can only teach historical, factual events, keep the liberal opinions and biases out of the school system. The personal beliefs, the values, the morals, all that stuff, should be taught at home. Teachers, I look, I get it that there are parents that are absent from their children's lives. You got uh, two working parents that are not necessarily around their kids all the time. It happens, but it's still not your job to parent somebody's child. It is your job as an education facilitator to teach them math, science, not your biased political opinions. And so I think that if the federal government is going to have control over um, these things, then th they need to start passing those bills to mandate what can and cannot be taught. Uh, Without, I, I mean, I know there's a fine line. I do know there's a fine line because I know we're, we're going to start getting into like communism and all that stuff. But right. when it comes to, you, you know what I mean? Like find that fine line of, hey, we're going to teach historical events that happened 
historically not not because not with your twist on it you know what i mean like i don't know if i'm making sense but. no you're you're making sense i am and this is going to be my really controversial statement of the day i'm one of those people that firmly believe that if you take out a federal a federally secure student loan and or grant you should not be able to go and get a liberal arts degree I think it should be something that it, on the production side that helps contribute. Now you can sit there and say, well, you need a liberal arts degree to be a journalist. Mm. What, what, I mean, I did it for 14 years. You know what my degree is in? My degree is in medical coding because, oh, wow. yeah, because I couldn't get a job in medical coding, at least back in the day, uh -huh. you know, 15, 16 years ago. So my degree is in something completely different, but if you're going to get a federally secure degree, you should be able to, uh, a loan for a degree, it should be in something that you know you can find a job for. There are, and I know there's going to be a lot of you watching this, you're a 30-something-year-old millennial, you were told all your life, go to college, get a degree, you'll get a good job, and what are you doing right now? You're sitting there watching this on your phone at Starbucks wondering why you're not a millionaire, Yeah, because you got a degree in lesbian dance theory. Okay. I mean, seriously. I Is mean, that an actual thing? No, but believe it or not, there, I had to hire a person for a news reporter job, and her degree was in pop, it was a liberal arts degree in pop culture studies. Oh, wow. I swear, if I'm lying, I'm flying by everything I hold dear. It, Here's it, the thing, man. Like, <laughs> degrees, like Bill's saying, degrees are overrated. If you want to be successful in life, go to a trade school. Get, oh get, you know, get certificates on things like a degree doesn't really mean shit anymore, in my opinion. If I had to do it all over again, Jen, I would go back and, well, I'd bet on every Super Bowl and become a millionaire overnight. <laughs> but but uh, no, if I had to do it all over again in reality, I would have went and got a two-year trade school degree and became a technician working on farm equipment. These mechanics who repair combines, tractors, and stuff like that, they start at, you know, 35, 40,000 a year. But after a couple of years experience, these guys are close to six figures, if not in six figures. I got a, I got a couple of friends, they're twins, and that's what they do. One does it in Kentucky, the other one does it out West. Mm -hmm. And they're making a killing, a yeah. you know, just living a beautiful debt-free life. Yeah. Well, you know, what people really need to get out of their heads is that they're going to be instant successes. Like everybody wants to go viral on TikTok or YouTube and they want to be rich influencers. But the thing is, like, that's just not how life is. And life isn't always going to hand you apples. I don't know if apples is really a phrase, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> the only influencers that are making big money now are the ones who are the OGs that have been doing it for, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah. And they've got millions of subscribers who have, you know, been there forever. Or the ones who put a floaty tub in their living room and do it in a bikini. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, I, and I feel like a lot of those influencers already had money to begin with. Like they had money to spend did, yeah. to, mm -hmm. to just stay at home and make content. Oh, Logan and Jake Paul, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Now I'm not yeah. saying those guys don't work their butts off because mm -hmm. they do. But, you know, and they're brilliant. Yeah, they are. But they already had money. They already came right. from an affluent family. So and I'm definitely I, I not saying that, you know, content creating is easy. You guys, I no. do it. It's not easy. And, you know, doing it with a full time job sometimes sucks. Like you get pulled in so many different directions. But what I'm saying is 
let's have achievable dreams. Like everybody wants to be rich and famous. Well, I don't really want to be famous. I'd love to be rich, but most people want to be rich, but like, let's have attainable goals. Like YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, that's not the way to do it. Like find yourself a craft, perfect that craft and, and go for it. You know? Yeah. All right, Jen. Well, uh, final thoughts. Yeah. So Jen, Jen thoughts. All right. Look, I am aware that life can be more difficult for some than it is for others. Everyone's path in life is not the same. Some have it much easier than others, just like some have it much more difficult than, than others. Those with the easy path should not always rely that it's going to be easy. Just like those with a difficult path should not assume that it's always going to be difficult. The end of the day, hard work will, hard work will always pay off. The American dream is not being rich, famous, and powerful. The American dream, by definition, is the equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. Everyone has the opportunity to be successful. You just have to be determined, ambitious, and work hard. Remember, if life isn't hard, you aren't truly living. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed rest of your work week, and we will catch you next time.